This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It is the Draft Dak NBA Draft Show on the No Ceilings podcast feed. My name is Corey Teleba, and as always, my co-host Albert Garbage Time Gim is back in the saddle to kick off another episode. Albert, how are we doing? I am doing much better. Um, first off, want to give a shout out to you, Corey, and uh, to to Tyler Rucker for filling in last week. I have been a little bit under the weather the last couple of weeks or so, so um, really appreciate the fill-in, but I'm feeling great now. I'm feeling great today, and I'm super excited about the prospect we're talking about today, so it's uh, especially good. Yes, uh, we are breaking down UConn's Jordan Hawkins, uh, shooting guard, two, uh, 20 year old sophomore. He will be 21 years old on draft night. He is listed at six foot five, 195 pounds. He is playing 28 minutes per game, averaging 15.4 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, one and a half assists, 1.4 turnovers, one steal, a half a block, shooting 40% from the field, 39.2% from three. 84.4% for the free throw line, a true shooting percentage of 57.1% with a PER of 20.1. Let's get into some stock prices, preseason and current. Preseason. <clears throat> ESPN had Hawkins at 36. SB Nation did not have him ranked. Basketball News had him at 39. The Athletic had him at 26. Tankathon didn't have him ranked. No Ceilings had him at... I have 18 listed, but that seems wrong. I want to say maybe I, I wrote it wrong, and it was like probably 38. Uh, Sports Illustrated had him at 30, an average stock price of 37.4. He came in at 36 on the Draft Act IPO. Currently, ESPN has him at 40. The Athletic has him at 28. Tankathon has him at 34. Basketball News has him at 26. Belieger Report has him at 32. Sports Illustrated at 37. No ceilings at 38. Average price of 33.6. He is currently ranked 29 on the latest draft deck update. So, Albert, I ask you, is Jordan Hawkins stock priced too high, too low, or is it just right at 33.6 and number 29 on the composite draft rankings? I, th I think for me, it's slightly low but I'm not going to freak out. Now, on my personal board, I do have him pretty significantly higher. Actually, on the latest board that I did, I had him at 17, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, the reason why I'm saying that it's not ridiculous is because I can totally understand. I think Jordan Hawkins is the type of 
player and prospect that can be a little divisive in terms yes. of how people uh, value guards of his style and niche. You know, I, I think for me personally, I like this style of player, which is why he's a little bit higher. But I can totally understand if so there are people out there who have him in the 40s and 50s because he's just not their cup of tea. So that range of like 33, 29, whatever, seems pretty fair to me, considering that he's just the type of guy that I like. Yeah, you have liked him in particular for a while. I mean, you had him on your last board. Do you remember like what range he was in last year for you? Last year, I definitely had a second round grade on him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're right. He's divisive even within um, like the no ceilings group chat. There are some guys on the squad who really like him. There are some guys who are a little bit lower on him. Um, you know, I know we. I, I had a talk with Nathan about him. We were talking about like a conversation with some, you know, people who work in the NBA who are even a little bit, um, you know, up and down on him. Don't quite know what to do with him. So I think he's an interesting guy to talk about, even though he's seemingly like on the border of the first and second round, like he's still on that cusp, but UConn is a very good team this year. They're going to play in a lot of, uh, big national television spots. And he's a guy, I think if he has like, if he gets hot in the tournament, you're thinking, you're, I think you're talking about a guy who could, you know, play himself into that top 20 range. I think I agree with you. I, I totally understand why his dra draft stock is where it is, but I think <clears throat> I side with you in that. I also think that the skills that he is really great at, He's very he's really great at them. And in this range, if you can get somebody who is really great at something as valuable as shooting, there's an argument to be made that when we look back, if he goes in this range, he's going to be a guy that you could say maybe he's one of the best 15 players from the class. So in that regard, you can make arguments for him. You know, I, I think once you get past 15, you know, I think this draft, there's definitely guys who I'd prefer over him after the lottery. But I, once you get past that spot, there are definitely guys that you're like, I can't definitively say this guy is going to work out over this next guy. So I think it's fair, but I'm with you. I'm a little bit higher on him than the ranking personally. Hmm. Now, I'll, I'll, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I just really quickly. I, I just feel like he's 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 at, he's in that range where Corey it goes to all the questions that you're asking, right? Like it, it's he's the type of guy where his outcome could be one of a million different outcomes, and so this is why you take a guy like this in this in that range, um, in terms of like late first, early second, just because he's kind of a wild card, and that's you know, but as you mentioned, Corey. He's a wild card, but he's a wild card that is also pretty rock solid in the things that he's good at. So, mm -hmm. like, we know what he's going to walk into. So he's not walking into the league as a complete mystery, is what Jordan Hawkins is. He's going to walk into the league with two or three skills that he's really good at. And now where he ends up is all going to depend on how do you develop out the rest and flesh out the rest of your game. So I'm with you, man. It totally makes sense. Now, in sticking with like him being on the periphery of that range, you know, I, I we're gonna go into our uh, if you had ten dollars segment, right? And normally, I try to you know pair guys who are kind of like the same kind of player and almost like what kind of ver which which of these kinds of players would you prefer? 
I, I pivoted a little bit from that today in that I looked at the draft rankings that we released a couple of weeks ago at noceilingsmba.com. And I went through a little cluster towards the end of the first round. So if you had $10 to invest in Jordan Hawkins, Colby Jones, and Julian Phillips, how would you spend your $10? These guys, not all that similar to each other, mm. but ranked 28, 29, 31 on the draft rankings. So $10, your suspend, how are you doing it? First off, I want to say our listeners may think I'm a liar, but I, I had a really strong feeling you were going to mention Kobe Jones here just because I think the type of prospects that they are are very different. Um, so I can see, like, this is this is a really great way to find out, like, what do we value in terms of, like, skills and prospects and stuff like that. So, And then the Phillips one is a great one just because I freaking love Julian Phillips. Um, let's do this. I want to stay true to my board. Um, I think that makes sense to me. Um, Colby Jones is actually a guy who like skyrocketed up my board and I ended up on the latest board. I have him at 26. So mm. he's a guy that honestly wasn't really on my radar much, but I watched his stuff and I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. So, okay, we'll do. Okay. Because I have these guys not too far from each other. So we'll do this. I'm going to do Jordan Hawkins. I'm going to give him $4. And then I'm going to give $3 to the other two guys. Um, feels fair to me. That's it. That, that's what I'm doing as well. Okay. That's what I'm doing as well. Because, I, I mean, you know, we haven't talked about Colby Jones much yeah. on this show. But, uh, you know, Rucker did a good, uh, uh, an excellent piece on how versatile he is. Yeah. And, you know, a, a guy at that size who, you know, not the perfect shooter, not... <sighs> You know, like, but has decent form, can hit it a good clip, just do, not shooting it at the same volume as a guy like Hawkins, um, but just a, such a good playmaker, just yeah. the, the value that he could bring to an NBA team. And I don't think he's anywhere in the realm of Jalen Williams mm -hmm. uh, on the Thunder, personally, but yeah. you see how a guy like Jalen, who is just so versatile, can play multiple spots, can handle your offense a little bit, has that maturity to step in and contribute right away. I, I think depending on the team, you could see Colby, you know, earn a role similar yeah. to him, right? And play style and, and minutes. Maybe not, you know, uh, going to be as effective in that, but I could see him contributing to a team early. Like Julian Phillips, I, I think you can make the argument that, you know, maybe if you're a team that believes in his shot, you invest more into him because he has physical tools. Maybe that the other guys don't necessarily have. And if you believe that a guy who shoots free throws like that can, you know, tran have yeah. that translate to the three point line. Now you're looking at like a, a real three and D guy with at a valuable position in the NBA. And then Jordan Hawkins, if you're like, Hey, <clears throat> I could, this guy could be one of the most dangerous high volume movement shooters in the league. And even if he's not a starter, bringing that off your bench could swing a playoff game. Yeah. I, I there's, there's arguments for each of them. So I think splitting up your investment in three ways like that is the right move. Yeah. I think, um, thinking about Kobe Jones, Kobe Jones is like the classic, like if scouts in the seventies or eighties saw him, they'd be like, Oh, he, kid's a thinker. 
you know, <laughs> cerebral, you know, I think is how they talk about Kobe Jones. Like he's, he's the classic, like this guy knows what he's doing on the court at all yep. times and just makes winning plays is I, I think how a lot of people would characterize him, which I think has a ton of value uh, in the NBA, uh, considering he also has like good size on him too. And I think you, you mentioned the shooting. It's it's getting better. I mean, he's shooting it better this year than he and, than he has previously. So that's good for him. But um, overall, I think, you know, there are some high-end skills that Hawkins has that I think he deserves that extra dollar over the other guys, I think. Kid plays the game the right way. <laughs> <laughs> coach's son mentality there it is (laughs) shout out to uh everybody watching live on youtube shout out to the two pointers podcast in the comments says uh of hawkins best movement shooter in this class Mm. love this kid and that is a good way to get into the scout and what other way you know on this show than to get into the shooting and for a guy like hawkins albert yeah you absolutely have to start there Right. That's where the juice is. So talk to me about Jordan Hawkins as a shooter, because as somebody who was very early on him and and thought he was draftable last year, um, when his percentages were, you know, not what they were this year, what did you see in his shooting last year that that led you to believe he was going to have, you know, the kind of shooting season he's having? To explain how I've always felt about Jordan Hawkins as a shooter, I'm going to tap into the the teachings and philosophy of Professor Corey Tulliba. Um, for me, with Hawkins, I've always believed in the shot and the form more than the numbers. Um, and that was the case last year, too. I, I just, from what I saw on the floor, and now we have to remember last year he was a freshman. He wasn't getting the same type of, type of looks or minutes or action or usage or any of that. Um, he was a guy who was coming off the bench, who was playing sparingly. But when he did play, you could feel the energy, right? But the thing with me and Hawkins is I, I always thought he had a really silky smooth looking jumper. I, I, I really enjoyed how the shot looked. I enjoyed the confidence that he had. I enjoyed the fact that he had no problem getting it off with a hand in his face. Um, obviously, as we're seeing from the comments, and you've already mentioned to Corey, um, the, the, the off movement stuff I thought was there last year as well. Obviously, he wasn't hitting it as much or whatever, but just watching him, it was like, oh, this guy is one. He's one of these guys that were just like born to be a shooter, right? The form is very much like more of like the old school type, right? He's not doesn't really have that push shot, but he's kind of putting his whole body into it. And I, I, I really enjoyed it last year, and he's just hit it more this year. And so for me, it's like I'm I'm really happy for him that the percentages have gone up. And obviously the volume is there and all that stuff. But for me, I, I enjoyed it a lot last year. And all I th- all I could think to myself was, well, clearly he was going to go back to school. And my thing was, well, hopefully in his second year, he'll just get a lot more opportunity. And with more opportunity, he'll probably hit them more because the guy has the ability, but also he has the confidence. And that's something that I saw from day one. He was totally unafraid to get his shot up and get it off with all types of people draped all over him. He did not care. So I, I think that's a good place to start for me, Corey. I think the biggest thing was... I believed in the form last year, and I especially believed in the mentality that he had as a shooter. Yeah, I, I in my notes, I wrote, maybe the prettiest jumper in the class. It's, it's just beautiful. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned it's like more of the old school type yeah. than that one motion push. Um, look, a lot of guys shoot the ball really well with that one motion push shot. To me, 
it's just not anywhere close to as aesthetically pleasing yeah. as when guys have a more traditional yeah. jumper. And <clears throat> I think one of the th- the things when we talk about is movement shooting. I think it's really hard to be a f- an effective movement shooter when you have that one motion shot. Mm-hmm. There are guys like Steph who can do it, but Steph, his release point, while consistent always, it's versatile in how he releases it, and there's consistency in his versatility. But when you you watch him, fl- uh, Jordan Hawkins, fly off these screens, like he could shoot it either direction and his release is it's just so pretty. Uh, I agree with the two pointers podcast that, you know, he's probably the best movement shooter in the class. This is a guy who puts the volume in volume shooting. I, I think at one point early in the year, he was getting up 17, three point attempts per hundred possessions, which is astronomical. He's currently at 15. And what I love about it and the volume, right? So he's at 15, three point attempts per hundred last year. He was at 12.2. Uh, he is at 7.4 real life three point attempts in his 27.8 minutes. Uh, last year he was at three in 15 minutes per game. Right. Yep. Last year he shot 33. percent The volume went up. Yep. By a good amount. Mm-hmm. And he's shooting it at a higher. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times it's the opposite. Correct. So I absolutely love that. But when we talk about his movement shooting, you know, it's there is an art to it. It's not just like running to a spot and turning and shoot like the way that he uses stop and starts, changes speeds, yes. sharp, sharp directional cuts. It's just so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So he might not be like and when you think of Jordan Hawkins, you don't think of him as a shot creator necessarily. And in the traditional sense. He's not, right? He's not a guy who is going to dance with the ball a ton. Mm -hmm. But he is creating all of these attempts for himself by the fact that he moves off the ball like a fucking G. (laughs) Poetry. (laughs) (laughs) I love watching that shit, man. I'm sorry. Like, I, 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 yeah, there's something to that. Yeah, and, and and how valuable that is, and what it does to a defense. Mm. It discombobulates them. You got guys, you know, him running from one side of the floor to the other. Now guys are, are you know, they they got if they don't have their head on a swivel, you you lose them for a split second. Now guys have to you know switch out if you're late. You know, he's got a jumper up. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's just it's beautiful. It's beautiful yeah. to watch. I, I love guys who are are in that vein, and when they do it the right way, man, you know these guys. You can have a really long NBA career. Yeah. Yeah. Corey, I I can't agree with you anymore. I, to be honest, I, I'm not saying that they're, they're the same player, but like the madness that he brings to the floor and the gravity that he brings with what you mentioned, right? The off-ball movement stuff. I, I, sometimes I felt like I was watching J.J. Redick. You know, I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, like what's going on here? For those who, uh-huh. who can't see, I literally have... Uh, the sports reference page up right now of uh-huh. one JJ Redick. Oh wow! Wow! <laughs> Look at us on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, Corey, I think it's fair, man. The way that he moves and the way that the defense and Corey, I loved what you said about the stop and start stuff because 
watching Jordan Hawkins and him manipulating speeds was really interesting because when we think of stop and start and we think about like the manipulation of speeds, we think of like quick to like really slow to fast or whatever. But I realized with Jordan Hawkins, it's a little different. It's either really fast or less fast. And I think that's like <laughs> how he's manipulating speeds because the guy, he runs like he got shot out of a cannon. Like he really runs his ass off. And when even when he's manipulating speeds and doing like in and out dribbles and whatever, like all of that stuff is still fast. It's just less fast. You, you get what I'm saying? Like a hard, like James Harden is the type of guy who's like moderately quick and then he'll come to like complete stops, right? Really quick stops and whatever. But Hawkins is a little different in that like he's going super speed and then just going really fast and then back to super speed. But so I, yeah. I'm not using this guy in our, um, if you bought stock in okay. segment later, but he reminds me at times in the way he's running around when Zach Levine is used off ball. Okay. Okay. Like Zach Levine is, and it's honestly been a, like a, a point of emphasis lately in uh, the Bulls fandom in how like he just doesn't shoot enough threes and, and that's changed a little bit more recently and how like if he's going to be used off the ball, like use him as a movement shooter, use him to be flying around screens because he could shoot it off balance similarly to, you know, how Hawkins is doing it in college and, right. um, and like, because it, for all the reasons it creates that, that chaos. But Zach Levine is also like, a super freak athlete. Now, um, Jordan Hawkins is not athletically as gifted as Zach Levine was, and even is at this point, you know, Zach Levine also isn't the athlete. He was as a younger player. He's got a couple, he's older. He's, he weighs a little bit more than he did when he was like this scrawny kid. Um, crazy how these guys put on mass as they get older. Uh, he's had a couple of knee surgeries, so he's he, but he's still bouncier than Hawkins. But like, I think the speed is a good comp for them because I think Zach Levine, even when he's going slow, a lot of times he's still going faster mm. than other people, and it's like this weird cadence that yeah. that is abnormal. Yeah. So sometimes you're like, oh, I wish Zach had a better pace, but also it's like it's this weird cadence that's obviously really effective and there's a little bit of that in hawkins mm. yeah I, I as 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 you are our resident giants fan i i was expecting some i don't know like daniel jones like when he runs Danny really fast and then less <laughs> oh god i'm congrats. waiting congrats I'm, to you bro uh, thank you i appreciate that mm. it's you know it's been a while since mm. that boat picture surfaced <laughs> online and I'm waiting for this Danny Dines run where he leads the Giants to a Super Bowl. And the clowns mm. in our group chat oh boy. try to discount that accomplishment <laughs> as he hoists the Super Bowl MVP trophy up in the air. There is a, <laughs> it's insane. I, I know we're talking Jordan Hawkins. I apologize, everyone, but it's insane that next week when we're recording our next pod, um, your Giants might actually be in the NFC title game. Like, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm one step at a time. This year yeah. has obviously been tremendous. Um, <laughs> the and I mean, it's a big week. It's a big week. Big week. Big we're talking Jordan Hawkins here. Jordan Hawkins. Jordan Hawkins. <laughs> now, so fast. So yeah. Fast. So. He's shooting 40%, near 40% on, you know, this incredible volume of threes. It's a beautiful jumper. 
Yeah. How do you how do you feel it differs when he's run off the line a little bit and he's kind of caught in the in-between area? I I I think I think that's one of his holes in one of the holes in his game, man. It's something that I wrote down in my notes. Um love him as a three-point shooter. Um, he's got some juice to him driving all the way to the basket. The in-between stuff is where I think he needs to grow, Corey, is my opinion. Um, I, fr- I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I was looking at um, his Bartorvik, Bartorvik, right? I, I want to pronounce that correctly, Bartorvik, right? I call it Bart because I don't know. There it is. Okay, Bart Simpson numbers. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, he the mid-range is where his numbers don't look as pretty. You know, uh, the in-between yeah. stuff isn't as pretty. So um, I would say, and Corey, I'm really excited to hear you talk about this uh, in greater detail than I, but it, it's, it seems like something he's got to add, in my opinion, because, Corey, if, if we're talking about ultimate outcomes, 1% outcomes, blah, 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 it, it's it's the area of every scorer's game where it, it kind of elevates you from good or to really good or really good to elite having that mid range, you know, from 20 feet, 18 feet, you know, being able to score from that area really diversifies you as an offensive player. So um, I would say that is one area of his game that I really do think needs improvement. Yeah. Like, so I think he can be an effective mid range shooter. He's got the jumper, right? He's still going to be doing it like coming off screens. It's not like you're telling him like, here's the ball at the top of the key. Like let's run a pick and roll and you're going to, create a, a jumper out of it right like he's still doing all the the stuff where he's running around the court flying off handoffs and blah 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 and sometimes you're gonna you know want to kind of attack it right that's part of how you leverage being that great shooter is also using it to to get yourself opportunities at the rim uh a, a guy last year uh young jung lee was like you know he was so good at like that kind of thing right yeah maybe not necessarily like this mid-range game but like using it leverage to to mix up how he scored and hawkins i i think that's where he needs to improve on a little bit and when i I think when he gets into the mid-range because it still looks like a uh, it still looks pretty like he's Mm -hmm. he's a aesthetically pleasing shooter but i think it's the processing of like he doesn't know when or Mm -hmm. if he's going to take those shots and in that the separation that like he creates as a three point shooter when he knows he's going to let it fly versus like him, maybe taking a couple of dribbles, seeing a big step up and then he's going to like shoot that shot. Maybe it's off balance or maybe he feels a guy kind of recovering a little bit because he took that split second extra to think about it. And now he's now it's more of a contested shot. I think it's an issue in like just not making a definitive decision Mm. more than it is a capability issue. Corey, I, I think I think you put that really well. And I think for me, the question that I have for you as the resident coach here, what are so in my brain, right? As you were talking about this, in my brain, I was like, okay, so what is the solution to that? Right. So really quickly, looking at his Bart numbers, I pulled it up. So on all other twos, other than at the rim, he's shooting 20.6%, right? Seven for 34, 14.3% assisted, right? Which is a really low number. So Corey, my question to you is this, right? If it's a matter of him having some awkwardness in that space and not really knowing when to be or how to be decisive about putting up, what are things that you could technically 
do skill wise do to help that like is it do you build rhythm with like pound dribbles or step backs or what what's what's the what's the solution for hawkins to improve in that area so i i think if i mean like from a uh in-season coaching perspective it's like it's hard because it's it's a it's a micro thing that you kind of have to focus on the individual level and like when you're a team that ultimately wants to win a national championship like focusing on something like that at this point of the year is like something you're yeah. not looking it's it's very difficult to work on I'm not saying that i mean you have a big coaching staff you have guys that are obviously gonna break down film with him and sh maybe show him this stuff and i think that is a, a very big aspect of it actually just showing like when you see this scenario like you gotta just make a quicker decision like if you're gonna shoot it mm -hmm. shoot it if you're gonna move off the ball move off the ball and pass and relocate now with those numbers right so it's 21 percent. how many attempts was it 34 34 in 17 games so we're right. looking at about two a, two a game right yeah it's not like super high volume if he, right. he has a game where he knocks down a couple all of a sudden that number is probably going to spike up so i i don't think it's a 21 percent level i also don't think you know it's like he's DeMar DeRozan in, in the mid range or anything either. Yeah. So I think if I was like, you know, let's say the season ends and we're going into this draft process. If this was a point of emphasis for him with his team, whoever his training guys are, I think you just put him in scenarios with, you know, uh, like he's coming off, uh, uh, you know, a, a pin down, he's going to kind of curl it as a passer you know, one of the coaches hits him off the curl and you teach him like you get to this spot. Now it might be like one, two dribble sidestep. If you're going right, maybe it is that like one, two dribble step back to create that space going left, but just definitively knowing like, this is the spot I'm going to get to on the floor. And then you have another coach who is kind of a big man who's, you know, maybe stepping up a little bit. So, you know, all right, I don't have that full driving lane. He's going to step up. That's why I need to make that step back. Or if he's a little bit too lower, maybe I can take an extra dribble and, you know, get to a little, you know, mid-range pull-up or maybe I, I work on a little floater. Mm. So I, I think you look at, you watch the film, you look at some of the scenarios in which he struggled or overthought it, and you try to, you know, simulate to the best of your ability live ball um, exercises to build repetition and pattern recognition mm. um, so that when you do get into those game settings, you've been through it a bunch of times and now you can just think you don't have to think you just know in the scenario, I get to my spot. Right. Right. So, I mean, okay. So ultimately Corey, the, what you're trying to say, I think the point that you're making here is that it, it's, it's, a, it really is a skills type of thing, right. And something that he needs to spend a lot of hours working on in the gym during the off season or during the pre-draft process, because in the middle of the season, I think it's going to be hard for him to find both the, the time. And as you mentioned, right, like the, the availability in terms of like coaching staff or whatever for him to do that. So I, I, I think I, I, that's all good, man, which actually Corey, can I ask a follow-up question to that? Of course. That it, it correlates to all that. As a as a pick and roll operator, right? 
Um, from what I watched, I actually didn't see him do a lot of it at all, but I was wondering his outlook moving forward, right? Because if we consider the the shooting gravity that he's going to have, the handle that he has, the change of pace that he's got, all that stuff, how do you view him as a pick-and-roll operator? Because part of that pick-and-roll operation stuff is like also, like if you've got some mid-range stuff, it helps, you know, it, it really does help to have that in your bag. So overall, kind of connected to what we were just talking about, how do you feel about him as a pick and roll guy? I wouldn't worry about that aspect of his game. Nice. I think okay. if, uh, you know, I think it's JJ Redick who kind of always says, like, a lot of guys in the offseason want to work at stuff to make their game as versatile as possible. But he learned to just maximize what he's great at. And when I think of Jordan Hawkins, I don't really need him running a ton of ball screens. Cause I, and you know, I I think as a self creator, right? Like he's got a good handle. Yeah. It's not like great. He doesn't, he's not, um, right. You know, Jamal, you know, Jamal Ford or anything with, with the ball, but he, he's also not going to necessarily dribble it off his foot, but he's also not using it. Like he can get a a look off for himself. When I think of him in ball screen scenarios, I'm not thinking of him in, let me get him the ball at the top of the key Mm. to put, to get a, a screener. And then he's coming off and surveying and either, you know, using it to get like uh, into that mid range or, or pulling uh, or hitting the roller. I'm thinking more of how, what kind of ball screen scenarios does he get into as a mover mm-hmm. who is, like you said, moving around the floor, like a Duncan Robinson, like a, a JJ Redick. And if you're paired and in the NBA, like, you know, you're looking at a ton of um, bigs who are playmaking hubs who you're you're running your offense through who you're able to come off a DHO if he can fire off a DHO and use that after running you know a lap around the half court now firing off a DHO with a Sabonis a Bam a, a Jokic or whoever and now he's got a little downhill momentum yeah is he going to be capable of a in a line drive getting to the hoop and B, can he, is he capable of recognizing when the big man or the help sells out on him as a shooter? Mm-hmm. And can he make that little pass right. to the big in that short roll area or as he rolls to the rim? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's perfect. That's perfect, Corey. I, I think ultimately the reason why I asked that question was because I kind of like loki also was wondering how you viewed him in terms of like his outlook right and and i think you answered that right there like i i don't think we're looking at jordan hawkins to be a high usage ball dominant type of guy who we're throwing the ball to and asking to create off off of ball screens all day long right like it's just that's just not what we're looking for him to do and so i i I appreciate that answer yeah and you know to the the question i asked of is he capable of making those passes? Yeah. Right. Is he capable of getting to the rim? Mm-hmm. I think the answer is yes. It will be to what kind of consistency can he yeah. do it? Cause I've seen him make some really nice passes, uh, coming off that kind of stuff. And I, uh, you know, I've seen him miss guys. I've seen him make sloppy passes. I mean, he's not a high turnover guy, mm-hmm. right? Cause he's not doing a lot of that creating. 
but he's also not a high assist guy because he's more of a play finisher than he is a play creator. Yeah. So in that regard, I think he's where he needs to be developmentally. And I think in these actions, he's going to be able to make those kind of plays. Now, you mentioned that like that in-between area, he's at that 21%, not very good. Um, He's at about, he's at almost 60% at the rim, 59%. Yeah. But I do, which is fine. Fine. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's not bad, but it's not great. Mm -hmm. So I do have some concerns. Do you have any, you do? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, like Corey, I'm sure you have a lot. So I'm just going to go with the two that I had. Um, so first off, uh, it, he doesn't have a left hand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yep. he's like, he's like me. I played just the same way. If you were to ever play basketball with me, Corey, you would just play me to my left hand because I just don't have one. And it's just a real problem for me. And it is a problem for Jordan Hawkins. He will drive really fast and go left sometimes and just absolutely have to go back to his right hand and throw up an awkward floater or awkward That's, just... I- I have a verbatim in my notes. Okay. Perfect. Verbatim. <laughs> okay, then let me stop. Weak drive weak driving with his left hand settles for off balance fall away floaters. Yeah. Except in my notes I wrote, and it's trash. Just straight trash. <laughs> I wrote it's junk. So <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's fucking garbage what he does. Yeah, so bad. Now, part of that also I feel like, which is the other thing on I have written down is like he just he is still a little frail. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, like, I mean, he's not, like, the skinniest guy you've ever seen, right? But he's also, he, he's and light. he will, he needs to get a little stronger. Yeah. And when you're going to your offhand, you see he doesn't have that confidence to be like, all right, I'm going to dip my shoulder into this dude's chest, move him off the spot, and then, you know, use either of my hands to get something at the rim. It's all awkward going away. Yeah, uh, um, a trillion percent. And and another thing that I wrote, Corey, because yeah, it's I, I, I just could not get over like how many times he was doing that. But also, like, I love his speed. I absolutely do. But I also wonder if sometimes, and obviously, Corey, this is a question directed to you. I, I love the speed, but sometimes I wonder if he's going too fast. Um, is kind of how I felt at times. Um, but like overall though, like when he gets to his strong hand and he gets to do what he wants to do, like, yeah, like he has some really pretty finishes, you know, under He'll the yam on you. yeah, so that's one thing. Yeah. But then Corey, like going back to your other point, like he is a little light. Like I, I, I don't even want to say he's frail because if you look at him, he doesn't really look frail per se, but Agreed. he is light. Like it's easy for people to like move him off of his spot. And he rarely, if ever, is finishing through contact. It's more of like the contact will move him off the angle that he was going for. And also there are a lot of times like he'll go up and either get stripped or blocked or whatever because he's just not like strong enough yet. Mm-hmm. But that's something that Corey, as you alluded to before in passing, it's like, well, if you've got that type of speed and the right mentality that I think he does have, um, adding strength is just a time issue and not like a, whether it's going to happen or not. Like it happens for everybody. So I'm not freaking out about that. It's just um, he definitely needs to get stronger for that to be just straight up better. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's just NBA team. Let's get you on a diet. Let's get you on a, a a program and let's be patient with you and your body. Cause I mean, 
look, obviously college has some big, strong dudes. And as co- college has gotten older more recently, right? Like those dudes are, are, are stronger, but they're still not the guys in the NBA. Now, maybe that speed and the extra spacing on an NBA floor will help a little bit. But also when you say like, sometimes he's going too fast. I think that's something that is uh, common in players as they develop, uh, especially guys who like are not super comfortable creators with the ball in their hands. And again, like, I don't think he's dribbled the ball off your, your foot, like bad at, at handling, but he's obviously like having that pace of a guy like Devin Booker, right. Where it's like, or Brandon Miller, Mm, mm. um, just, just stirring the pot, uh, you know, like you don't always need to go fast to get to your spots. When you think it fast, you can go slow. There Something it is. Said plenty of times on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when at, going back to like kind of like the processing in that mid range area where sometimes he's hesitant, if you're not thinking about what's going to be there when you go to, when you get to a spot, because you could be really fast, but yeah. if the scout says that like, you're just going to try to be really fast to the spot. Guys will already be there because they'll meet you there a little bit earlier. So I think that's part of it. And it's just like, again, like watch film and maybe learn, do some pacing stuff, you know, like for as good as I think he does like the stop start and the change of pace, like without the ball, like some of that with the ball a little bit, right. Instead of, but again, like if you're for him, he's trying to attack in a straight line thinking I'm going to use my speed because maybe I'm not strong enough to where if I do meet somebody, I can kind of use my body to, to move them in the, in the way that maybe some of these other guys can. So I, I, you know, there's a lot going on there with, with strength and just, you know, he didn't play a lot last year. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's also still like learning and, you know, uh, I know it's shocking, but a lot of these guys aren't perfect players and, you know, development is not just like linear. Yeah. And you're, so it it could take him a while to figure it out. But the question is, can he figure that out? Yeah. Really quickly before we end this, this part of uh, Jordan Hawkins, I just want to say if when the strength comes and the confidence comes and he works on the different things that we talked about, um, he's going to be actually, I actually think he's going to be a really scary driver. Just because not only is he fast, but he could be pretty violent too. Like you, you mentioned, like he's willing to go chest to chest with guys at times um, and and try to dunk it on their heads. Like there, there are a couple, like in that Rucker, no, no, not, not the Rucker, the St. John's game. There was one oh, where yeah. like he just, uh, and he know? drew a foul. He didn't, he didn't mm-hmm. finish it, but it was a, but it was, yeah, it's like that's some alpha shit. So um, if he can get the strength up, he, I think he'll, he'll actually be a good driver. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. And and look, sixty percent at the rim, you know, like yeah, not bad. It, this is not a crazy crazy weakness. Um, it's just something like the left hand is, the strength is, and if he can improve on that while sticking with like you know the sol- him being solid in a straight line going to a strong hand, you know, there's there's something to work with there and and look to develop. I mean, I, I think we covered everything with his offense, unless you have anything else in particular uh, you want to talk about with him. No, just really quickly. Last thing, I, I didn't really get to mention him much, but like you, you mentioned, Corey, I, I think the passing is just fine. 
um there yeah. are a couple there are a couple of moments where he'll throw some like really pretty like no look stuff and you're like oh that's fantastic but overall like it, it's not a huge part of his game or his eval to be totally honest um so yeah it goes back to the point that you made earlier we're, we're just not really looking for him to be the primary creator for any team no it's it's all right this with a guy like him and if i'm an nba team i'm asking like can this guy play 0.5 basketball can this guy keep the ball moving does he know when to move off of it if he doesn't have anything that's what i want and ultimately i want him to be a play finisher that's it when he gets the ball i want him to do the thing that he is great at and right. that is shoot the three ball i want him to to be a, a a guy who provides real gravity so yeah if all of a sudden this guy you know learns to handle the ball a little bit and and pass it a little bit right like great that's desmond bain yeah. <laughs> you know like that's desmond bain without muscles but he doesn't have that to his game right now so what is he going to be great at realistically and i think you know focusing on that and just all right do you have the iq to be a a, a guy who can fit in within a scheme elsewhere i think he has that bingo agreed all right let's let's talk about the defense um we talked about him being how, how did you refer to him not frail but light light mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know he's he's listed at six five i think he looks like he's got pretty good length mm -hmm. listed at 195 but he's light mm -hmm. with that said there are a lot of there's a lot to like maybe some stuff to dislike mm -hmm. talk to me about him as a defender <sighs> i actually Man, my eval of him on the defense was like a little more lukewarm. Um, I, I think so. Let me start with the bad, actually, because I think there, as you mentioned, Corey, there are things to really like about him as a defender. Uh, the one thing I didn't love, and now this is something that I think you can easily fix, is I, I just felt like when he was on ball, um, he was getting caught flat-footed kind of a lot, um, and and I just felt like he was pretty easy to get by. Um, and and I, I it could just be me, but I, I felt like I don't maybe it's like a mental thing where I felt like maybe in his head he felt like he could rely on his jumping ability to kind of just let guys get by a little bit and then catch up for like a block or you know a contest in the air. But I, I felt like just from what I saw, I thought he was a little flat footed on the ball. Um, is was the negative part that I wanted to mention. So I'm not saying that I think he's a bad defender. It's just I just thought he would get caught a little flat-footed on the ball a lot, which I didn't love. But at the same time, I could be wrong. But I feel like that's something you could fix too. So I, I'm not freaking out about that. And then I'll wait to hear what you say, and then we'll talk about the good stuff. But yeah. Okay. that's. I mean, that's interesting. And I, I, I think there are definitely times where, you know, he kind of – gets beat a little bit and his man gets a step on him. Um, I think for me, one of the things that I thought, like, I think he's, he gives really good effort. Like he gets low yeah, in a yes. stance. He's, he's length, he, he's lengthy. Um, so guys will, you know, maybe they'll, they'll beat him time to time. That's common at the point of attack. But ultimately I kind of thought I was encouraged by it. I, I think one of the things him kind of, because I don't think they're like these egregious blow buys that lead to layups. Okay. Like I do think he's within proximity of his man. And a lot of times I almost thought because UConn's bigs are so like massive, 
that he's leading them into the help. Okay. Okay. Because I was actually, I'm pretty encouraged by his on ball stuff. And even though he is, you know, kind of like he's a shooting guard size, typically, um, I think he moves well enough and he's long enough that he's going to be able to guard either spot. And I think that's important uh, as, you know, obviously the NBA has leveled up in size. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to like for him, like he might not be playing next to a traditional point guard. You know, maybe he's, he's playing next to a bigger guy who is playing point guard offensively, but maybe can't stick with, you know, smaller guards defensively. And I feel like, he's going to be capable of guarding the one or the two. Now, what I will say is that defensively, like going back to his, the strength, there are times where even if he does, you know, maybe beat a guy to the spot, a guy could dip the shoulder and move him off of it. And that has led to, you know, some easier shots at the rim, just because physically he's not strong enough to just take it in the chest and body up and like hold his ground as much as maybe, you know, you would like him to a guy, like, I don't know, like Keontae George, who maybe is like similar in stature as far as like height and length or whatever, but like he's got that big chest yeah. to kind of just take it. And like, so that was probably my, my primary concern, just like, you know, Devin Booker will just back this dude down and have his way on him, regardless of like how hard he, and obviously Devin Booker is a very good basketball player is my high level analysis there. And he's, you know, the kind of guy that's going to do that to a lot of people, but just saying like, you know, a, a guard like that, you could, is good. He's going to be taken advantage of physically, I think, which is why ultimately I think it would be, it's important that he be able to maybe guard point guards. Yeah. 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 I, I Corey, I, I think it's a really good rebuttal. I think for me, I just wasn't thinking in those terms. So you saying what you said about him um, kind of leading them, to the bigs, I, I think is a really solid point. And I just, I don't know. I, I think for me, I just wasn't thinking in those terms. So it looked a lot worse than maybe it should have looked to me. Um, so I, I think that's totally fair. Um, to his credit, though, I did want to say, I thought he has really quick hands. Um, yeah. And what you mentioned in terms of the effort and the desire, it's clearly there. Uh, I thought not only does he have quick hands, but I thought he showed not, not like Jalen Clark level, but some pretty decent anticipation in the passing lanes as well, where he's getting some nice steals and trying to run down the court and do something with it. Um, and, and of course, like there are the hustle plays in his tape where you go, that's really nice. Right. Like yeah. where he's like running down and even like his help defense, there are times where, you know, he's not six, nine, six, ten, but he's down there as a low man and he's trying to, you know, contest. He's good positionally. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty yeah, good. I think he's solid. Yeah, I think he's pretty good positionally. And also, like he tries and he's not scared to go up and at times try to protect the rim. And I, is it always successful? No. But um, I like the fact that that, that he has as the kids say nowadays, right? He's got that dog in him sometimes. <laughs> he does have that dog. Hey, yeah. I mean, look, you, you know, you talk about, we talk about him being light. He does a half a block a game is pretty good for a guard. Yeah. It's pretty good for a guard. You know, that's, yeah. that's a decent amount of blocks. I also think that he does a good job navigating screens. Okay. Talk about his defense. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's got good timing knowing when to step up and over. And it's like, cause it's that awkward, weird cadence and that weird speed that he plays at. Like he kind of brings it in the same way. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a good base there. And I mean, again, you know, this is a guy whose draft stock is right on the cusp between the first and the second rounds. Yeah. So it's like, 
obviously this is the kind of player who is going to have some of these questions of like, what, where does he fit on an NBA floor on both sides of the ball? So, you know, this conversation is like trying to talk out where does he fit on an NBA floor in an NBA context, not just what is he doing in college? It's like, okay, if he's having physical concerns here in college, what's going to happen in the NBA? Is that fixable? Over time, yes. All right, great. Well, is he giving effort? Does he try? Does he care on that end? He does. Okay, good. All right, maybe there's something to work with. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe he spends time in the G League getting, you know, better physically and getting reps there. Let's see how that goes. So, like, you know, there there are paths um, where you don't need an immediate return. But, you know, I, I think because he's got a dynamic skill on the other end, it's it's a question you, you could talk yourself into because I, I think – Ultimately, I would say he's a good defender and effort and the effort that I think that he gives on that end. That's ultimately the the first thing that you can ask for on that side of the ball, because there are some guys who aren't good and they just don't really try a ton. So, right. Like, so the fact that he's giving the effort and he has some of these plus skills, he's got pretty good stock numbers. Uh, I think that he could survive. Right. And that's what you need from a guy with his stature. It's like, can you survive with him on the floor? Because ultimately, if you look at like the offensive numbers, he could really help your offense down the line. Yeah. And Corey, sometimes, and this is myself included, but I think sometimes when we're evaluating these prospects, I think sometimes we get so caught up in wanting all of them to be really complete players that yeah. we can be too harsh um, in terms of certain aspects of their game. Like, I, I think what you mentioned before, right, the the proper lens in which we evaluate Jordan Hawkins is really important. I think we have to not look at him through the lens of a holistically perfect and complete player, but we have to look at him as this is a guy who has really a, a really strong, clear set of skills. Can he develop the other aspects of his game is a very good question, but it's not a question that should deteriorate or affect his draft stock in a way where he's like plummeting down boards just because he's not great at the other aspects of his game. I, I think we do that sometimes where we most keep, definitely, yeah, we keep players at such a high standard and we want them to be good at everything. And we don't really cherish or give them the respect that they deserve for being really damn good at a couple of things where, you know, sometimes you have players who are like, okay at everything and then they get overrated, but we, tend to misrate or underrate players who have really strong skills at a couple of things and just aren't as great at the other things. So that's why I think like including Colby Jones in that segment earlier yes. is like a good example of this. Cause like, obviously like Colby drone Jones's strength is in his versatility. Colby Jones doesn't have necessarily like some super standout skill. So is there value in that? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Like he could help you in a lot of areas, but Feel like that doesn't mean that that ne is necessarily more valuable than somebody who has this superhero skill potentially that could really soup up your offense. And maybe you're only, you know, you're it's one of those things where you're only getting it for 20 to 25 minutes versus potentially a guy who you maybe you're getting for closer to 28 and to 30, but in those 20 to 25 minutes, are you really hitting the gas and, and making some stuff happen? Like that, these are the type of things like there, it is not necessarily a right answer. It's what does your team need ultimately in that, 
in that spot. And, you know, mentioning like the hyper focus on versatility and this and that, it's like also why it, I see a path still for a guy like Derek Lively. Mm, okay. Because it's like, I, you know, I've seen like some of the dialogue, like, you know, you can't give him the ball in the post. And it's like, did we ever want that? Who wants that anymore? <laughs> did anyone want that coming into the year? Is that why he was the number one recruit? Is that why he was projected to be a lottery pick? Cause it wasn't for me. I, I didn't, if I didn't see one post up, I would like, I don't need to see one post up from him almost ever. Right. It's like, don't do can it. the NBA do a better job of putting him in position to play to his strengths? If yeah. he's, if I'm seeing from Derek lively in the off season, these dumbass workout videos of him, you know, working on crossovers into jumpers and like his team is trying to make him look like Kevin Garnett. I'm going to be like, this, like, this is cool for social media, but there's not one NBA team that's going to give a shit about this. Like, how about a workout video that makes him look like Tyson Chandler? Playing defense in versatile schemes, drop, meeting at the level, catching lobs, running dead sprints down the floor, and dunking the ball off, like, hit-ahead passes. Like, shit like that. Like, if, you could, if he could perfect mm -hmm. using his athleticism on both sides of the floor and keeping it simple. Like there's a path for a guy like that. And similarly, like Jordan Hawkins, if Jordan Hawkins wants to be the type of player who all of a sudden is, is a guy who's creating a, a shit ton off the bounce and is trying to make Trey young, Luka Doncic type passes, right. Then like, I'm going to tell, you know, the, our podcast, uh, audio team to delete this episode. <laughs> Because I want him to to be Jordan Hawkins. I don't want him to be, you know, some player that I, you know, he's he's not meant to be. And sometimes for for guys, and this is something, you know, I, uh, coaching at the high school level, coaching at any level, not every player knows their game and what their strengths are. Some players want to, and sometimes those players work so hard and exceed the expectation, and they they get to that point. Jimmy Butler, nobody thought was capable of being. Jimmy Butler, except right. for Jimmy Butler. Right. That is an outlier, right? That is not um, the norm. The norm is like, can you stick to what makes you good and can you make good great? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot as well. And I know it's, it's, it's tough, Corey. And Corey, I, you know what I was thinking about really quickly? I know we're going pretty long this episode, but I was thinking, in your mind, who's the ultimate guy who was kind of uh, marketed as like a jack of all trades, master of none, who like really didn't work out? Because like for me, I, I don't know, I might be wrong in this evaluation, but I thought like Denzel Valentine was kind of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great example. Um, Denzel Valentine. Yeah. Shout out to Denzel if you're listening to this. I'm sorry for what I'm about to say. Truly, bottom three to five least favorite Chicago Bulls players of all time. Yeah. Like, this was a guy who not only did he, like, misrepresent this, like, versatile college package, and maybe if he was actually, like, 6'8 or 6'9, he could have yeah. been that player, but he also was the guy who didn't know his strengths and what kind of player that he was exactly. and tried to overstep what he was instead of 
you know, perfecting what he could do well. And that led to like, you know, a, a highlight, an egregious, you know, shot at the end of clocks that is are going to live on forever. And ultimately, you know, he shot himself out of the league. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's not an NBA player. He's not an NBA level player. He didn't, he, the versatile, the versatile package wasn't, wasn't good enough. And he tried to do too much. Like that's a pretty bad combination. Cause he was a good shooter. He was a good shooter and he was right. a, a slick passer. Like he, he should have been exactly. He and should could have been. been, and could have been a guy who like hung around and contributed to, to teams like he could have played 0.5 basketball he could have been a, a ball mover uh, a spot up shooter even a movement shooter a little bit like he just and a guy who you know maybe could have defended a couple of spots he didn't always want to do that and you know I, he's a good example of that <laughs> what if Denzel was 6'8 <laughs> <laughs> what if um all right if you're buying stock in jordan hawkins who may you have bought stock in previously uh i actually hated my answers this week usually i'm really proud uh and i'm really excited to share but this week it was a little difficult for me i don't know why um so i'll just go ahead and give them to you i thought of like first off i thought i thought of malik monk um the way that he's being utilized right now with the kings i crossed my mind yeah, I, I I enjoy that. This is a really weird one, Corey. Don't hate me for it, but I even thought a little bit of like Rudy Fernandez um, when he came in. <laughs> I know it's kind of strange, interesting, but like Rudy was like one of these really athletic guys who theoretically was supposed to be a sniper from the outside, um, a guy that Portland at the time was really you know hoping to rely on as a guy to add spacing and athleticism to that team. Um, it's just yeah, like. It, never really put it all together um and then i thought of like except also against like, team usa except against team usa that is correct <laughs> um and then like i also thought of like if this guy could shoot maybe like a shannon brown was the guy who came to mind oh, um yeah, I body wise right like yeah. a little bit and yeah, movement pattern like, wise exactly like the athleticism that shannon brand had um in i mean he was like next level yeah i know but just like i don't know if if shannon brown but i see shoot, it yeah yeah i see kind it. of where my head went it was the three guys that i came with yeah i liked shannon brown i liked i liked shannon brown um okay. not on my my list of least favorite <laughs> bulls um i you know we talked I, you, you mentioned jj reddick i actually think that's a that's a fun guy to think about who did maximize his ability and if you look at some of his like college years like he had like years where he wasn't like super strong field goal percentage wise, but he was shooting such a high volume of threes that ultimately like still efficient. Um, a guy who probably similar dealt with like similar, like size and strength issues early in his career. And, you know, kind of ultimately perfected and figured out what he was great at and how to utilize that and had obviously a 15 year career and is, yeah. you know, one of the absolute best media dudes out now. But, um, I thought of like Tim Hardaway jr. Is a guy. And then Malik Beasley. You know, guys who are just like really good, like movement shooters, maybe not guys that you're going to count on to be your day in day out starter, but can really get hot and win you a game, provide like valuable floor spacing and they're just easy fits to kind of put anywhere in an offense. Right. I think that, 
you know, if the Jazz try to move off of Beasley, they could probably get something, you know, pretty valuable for him. And, I, you know, I, I think if you look back at guys like that, like, you know, can Jordan Hawkins kind of have that kind of career? I think he can. And if he can, that probably makes him worth a top 20 pick. Right. So, you know, that, that those are the conversations, the guys I thought of and, and you know, trying to, uh, um, you know, get this segment done. Shout out to the chat. Shout out to uh, Canal Bon Loya, um, who uh, says salute and asks us about Baba Miller. And honestly, man, I got to see more of Baba. Yeah. Still early. He's a little raw. He's a little raw. Do I see him expanding his game? Only time will tell. But obviously, he's got a ton of raw potential. Could be a guy that shoots up, or could be a guy that, you know, people saw as a guy with good physical tools and a versatile game, but wasn't really great at anything and is maybe a little overrated. I'm not saying that he is. I'm just saying there are different outcomes for him. All right, Albert, it is time to close the show with America's favorite segment. It's time for you to sell me this pen on UConn sniper, Jordan Hawkins. Okay. Um, first off, hello, America. It's great to be back. Um, but okay, let me sell you on Jordan Hawkins. So uh, the way that I like to think about it, my wife really loves doing puzzles. Uh, she recently finished a Spider- Spider-Man Venom Kiff uh, collab with Marvel puzzle, Dope. which is really cool. And I absolutely love it. And we're about to frame it. Um, but the thing about puzzles are like, it, you have all these different pieces that come together and create this beautiful piece of art or pu- picture or whatever. Jordan Hawkins is a really important piece of whatever puzzle that you might be building uh, for an NBA team, right? He's not a guy who you bring in to be the whole puzzle by himself, but he is a guy who's going to be in a, a really important piece of the puzzle because the thing about building out a beautiful piece of art or a beautiful picture is that you need all the pieces to come together to fit perfectly for you to then have that beautiful piece of art. And if you're an NBA team, you need all different types of guys. And Jordan Hawkins is the type of guy that you're going to need on your team he's a guy who's going to be an electric scorer he's got one of the prettiest jump shots in his class he's a really good athlete he's a growing budding developing defender and he he, he has in his bag things that he's really good at and he's going to be able to bring these things to the table to fit in with other guys and raise the floor and ceiling of your team by just fitting in so perfectly and making that beautiful piece of art so that's how i view jordan hawkins he's a guy that you need to finish that puzzle but also is, is a guy who has a really high ceiling to him that we don't we may not actually know how he ends up but he's a guy that you're going to want to end up having on your team because of the things that he's absolutely good at right now. That sounds like a dope puzzle. <laughs> I need a picture of that when it's framed. And Jordan Hawkins could be an, a really fun piece to the puzzle. Could be a really good value guy that you get um, depending where he lands in the draft. So, cool. all right, Albert. Um, if you are listening to this on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. That means it is potentially a Thursday as this drops, or maybe you're listening to it a little late Friday, Saturday, Sunday, little weekend action. Maybe you're, you're saving it for a road trip, but that means that Albert 
has just released a piece on Jet Powered. Tell the people about um, you know what you're working on and, and where they can find you and all that. Uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter. Um, on Instagram, you can also find me at GTG NBA is where you can find me there. Sorry about the different handles. That's just how I roll. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, as Corey mentioned, the Jed Howard piece is probably out by now. If you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, I wrote about Jed Howard and he's a guy that I believe is one of the five best players in his class. And, um, I understand that there are going to be people who don't agree with me and people who may even see that as a hot take, but he's one of these guys that I think has a ceiling and an outcome that might make him one of uh, a, a potentially like a star ish type of player is how I really view him and how I'm really excited about him. So make sure you go check that out. And before I go, Corey, I just want to say you threw in Malik Beasley in there in your comps. And I have, I have tweets on Malik Beasley from back of the day. Cause I've been such a huge fan of his game forever, just because like I, there's something about him aesthetically that I've always enjoyed watching the way that he shoots the ball and the way that he dribbles. I don't know. All of it just looks really pretty to me. And there are currently rumors and the Knicks being interested in one Malik Beasley and that would excite the hell out of me is how I feel and how I want to end this week. I'm really uh, excited to read the Jet piece. Should we cover him next week? Why not? Let's do it. Let's do Jet Howard next week. Um, uh, I, I love Jet. I thought he was a guy I couldn't for the life of me fathom why he was ranked so low coming into this pre-draft process, his IMG tape. He was a guy that popped. He looked massive. He still looks massive. A lot of things to like about his game. So I'm excited for next week's episode. I'm excited to read your piece um, tomorrow, which is Thursday or today as you're listening to this. If you're listening to it on Thursday, Um, you can find me at Corey Tullaba on Twitter, NBA draft dude, on I think Instagram and TikTok. Um, and I just wrote a piece on Keontae George and his NBA bag, a little prospect chemistry piece. And I broke down film on all the different kind of guards that not only he compares to stylistically, but the kind of actions that they run in the NBA that make them successful and that he is capable of running. And I, you know, I do like little side-by-side screen grabs of these players to show you the movement patterns and and the kind of sets that they run and how he's capable of that. Uh, some statistical queries from, from Bart, uh, Bart Simpson.com. And, uh, so I, I really enjoyed writing that piece. Keontae is one of my favorite players in the class. So that is out now at no which you can subscribe to for free to get fire content delivered to that inbox Monday through Friday, I guess Sunday through Friday every single week and make sure that you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You subscribe, rate, share, review, all that good stuff. The podcast, that kind of stuff really helps us out. And, uh, thank you for rocking with us. Everybody in the the YouTube chat, everybody who is downloading these podcast episodes weekly and listening every single day. We love you all until next time. We out. Peace. Peace.